What is up? Welcome back to High Hope Sports Cast. Uh, I'm your DJ. I'm your host, DJ, <laughs> and joining me as always is my co-host, JJ. Uh, we have a lot to get into today's episode. Uh, we'll recap all the wild card round games, talk a little more about the coaching jobs in the league, uh, and more if we get the t- uh, the time here. So, uh, how's it going, JJ? Uh, how, how's your uh, wild super wild card weekend? Well, hey there, DJ. Uh, JJ here, back at it again. Uh, I thought the Super Wild Card weekend was um, average. I was really pumped up for it, but uh, I don't know if I like three days of games. I think I'd rather, and six games is way too much. What would you? How do you feel about six games on the opening weekend? Yeah, I I have to agree with that. Um, I. As much as I like Monday Night Football in the regular season, I and I was kind of excited for it in the playoffs, but I just I felt myself uh, not wanting to wait that third day to know exactly what the next round of games are going to be. So I I'm not a fan of the the Monday Night uh, Football game for the playoffs and. Uh, them adding in the seventh seed on each side, I think that was a mistake. Um, I mean, we'll get into the games here, but the the games just were were not uh, really competitive. The, the most competitive one was Dallas and San Francisco. The other ones were just the the one team scored and they just dominated the whole game. It wasn't even that entertaining, to be honest. Um, so we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later well, when we get into our recap here. Uh, the first thing I want to uh, touch on is uh, JJ didn't really even know about this until right before we started recording. Uh, there's uh, more reports by uh, pretty trustworthy sources that say Russell Wilson has played his last game as a Seahawk. Um, apparently, he said that he wants to explore different options this offseason. I don't want to see him leave Seattle, to be honest. Uh, he's the, the face of the franchise over there, and that team is so screwed without him. It, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, I, I don't know about Pete Carroll. He's kind of uh, getting up there in age, and I think teams have started to figure out his his coaching scheme and everything like that, so... And uh, I think J.J. even said this a little before, too, but it looks like the Giants, as of right now, are the front runner to to go after Wilson this offseason. So we'll keep an eye on that. Do you have anything to add to that, J.J.? I just wanted to give a little information on Russell Wilson. He's a seven-time Pro Bowl selection. He's, he has won the Super Bowl, and he was a 2020 Walter Payton Man of the Year finalist. He uh, In 2021, he only played 14 of the 17 games. His record was 6-8. and eight. He had 3,100 yards passing, 25 touchdowns, and 6 interceptions. So he will be 34 in November 29th. He went to Wisconsin and North Carolina State in college. Um, yeah, I agree with you, DJ. Everything you just said about uh, Russell Wilson is the face of the franchise. And I just I feel a little sorry for Pete Carroll because <clears throat> how much talent did that Legion of Boom team have? Oh, my God. Wasn't it ridiculous? That was almost, I mean... That was almost like a, a perfect all-around team, not just the defense, not just the offense, just even the kicker. I mean, back then when they had the Legion of Boom back in, what was it, 2014, 2015, it, it was just an all-around, basically perfect team. And we haven't seen that since. They, they The Seahawks have just kind of falling apart. I don't know if that's maybe a reason why Russell is kind of wanting to explore different options here. And uh, he he kind of doesn't have the protection anymore. He's 
under pressure a lot more. So I don't know, maybe th- those are some factors in his decision here. So. Oh, well, DJ, some interesting stats. His career record is 104, 53, and 1. Wow. Isn't that impressive? Yeah. He's and only- I believe – I believe he he won the Super Bowl his second year in the league. Yeah, his second year in the league, he led the Seattle to thirteen and three record, and he put up twenty six touchdowns as a a sophomore in NFL. That yeah, that's impressive. His ratio touchdowns is two ninety two to interceptions of total eighty seven. Jeez. So in a Eleven year career, he doesn't even have he's not even averaging ten interceptions a year. That's how good he is with the ball. But uh this is the first year in his eleven year career that he didn't play every game. Oh yeah, he had a finger injury. Yep. So his stats are really good for missing three games, but you know, Seattle and Pete Carroll's kind of like a what us Minnesota fans know as a Mike Zimmer offense. Really good defense, protect the ball, and uh, a lot of running. And I really think if Russell gets to leave, I think he's going to want to go somewhere where they're going to do like a 60-40 pass-to-run ratio. Other than that, on Russell Wilson, he's got 24 comeback victories and 32 game-winning drives in 11 seasons. Jeez. <laughs> That's impressive. Yeah, definitely. Uh, whoever gets him, uh, they're going to probably have to give up a lot of assets and picks and whatnot. But they're, they're, getting, a, they're getting a baller. It, that died 10 balls, so... Uh, they're also pretty lucky whoever lands him if he does, in fact, leave Seattle. So uh, we're going to move on to some more coaching job news uh, before we get into our Vikings. Uh, this was interesting. Uh, the Houston Texans, uh, they have interviewed um, someone that I didn't even see coming. I didn't even know he was into coaching. Uh I don't know. I can't remember if it's college or what, but he's he's some kind of he's in some kind of coaching. Uh, they have interviewed Hall of Famer and former wide receiver for the Steelers, Heinz Ward, for their head coach opening. Uh, that would be just awesome. I, I think that would be pretty cool if he got a head coach job. Uh, he was a hell of a player. I remember him. Uh, I remember watching him play back in the day and he was just uh all around just i mean great guy off the field too and just dominant receiver and uh like i heard earlier today on good morning football uh that that's a guy that players will uh listen to i mean it, you look at it from a player's point of view and you, you get a former player that has won the super bowl in there as your head coach and you kind of feel confident uh, because that guy has been in your shoes and has done exactly what you're trying to do. So that guy's going to walk into the room and everyone's going to shut up and pay attention basically. So uh, I think that would be pretty cool if he got a, uh, head coaching job, and hopefully, if it's the Texans, he can turn that uh, organization around. Uh, I don't know if you heard that, JJ, or not, but uh, you have anything to add on that? Uh, Heinz Ward is currently uh, the head wide receivers coach at the University of Florida Atlantic. Uh, he was actually interviewed January 15th. And four other names that he's in competition with would be Brian Flores of the Dolphins, Jonathan Gannon of the Eagles, Joe Lombardi Chargers, and linebackers coach Gerard Mayo from the Patriots. So they've interviewed all of them but Gerard Mayo. I think he's got a really good chance of getting this, and I would be excited to see Super Bowl champ and Big Ben's number one target, Heinz Ward, get a shot in the NFL. Right. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe maybe someday Big Ben will come back and uh, be a part of coaching or something. That would be 
pretty cool to see also. Um, and then our Vikings, uh, we follow them a little closer here. So I'm just going to um, go through seven different uh, candidates that I've seen uh, a few days ago. And I think JJ has three more to add to this after this. Um, first being the Cowboys offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore. Um, that's honestly, as a fan, uh, that's my first pick. That's who I want in there. I, I want a young guy, offensive mind, just like Sean McVay. Um, but there is, there has been a rumor. I don't know. It's kind of going back and forth uh, about this rumor about Jerry Jones possibly promoting him to head coach and firing Mike McCarthy. I don't know how much truth there is to that rumor. Uh, I've The latest I've heard is that the, the Cowboys are expected to keep Mike McCarthy. So I'm, I'm hoping they keep Mark, Mike McCarthy just for the simple fact that I want Kellen Moore and I don't want him to, to get the head coach of the Cowboys. I want him in here in Minnesota. So... And then the second one is uh, Philadelphia de- defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon. Uh, our arch rival, uh, Green Bay Packers offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett. That would actually be have to be my second pitch after Kellen Moore. Um, Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. Uh, I don't really know how to think about that one. Um, I, I wouldn't. I couldn't be mad if we ended up getting Dan Quinn, but I just, I don't, I'm on the fence on him. I just don't know. And then the Rams offensive coordinator, Kevin O'Donnell or Kevin O'Connell, San Francisco's defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryans. I think that would probably, he'd probably be pretty good. Um, even though he's a defensive coordinator. Um, and then Tampa Bay's defensive coordinator, Todd Bowles. That one, I do not agree with whatsoever. I do not want him in Minnesota as a head coach. We've seen Todd Bowles as a head coach before, and it didn't look pretty at all. Uh, I don't want him. Just hire him somewhere else. I, I don't want him in Minnesota. That will, is not the right pick there. Um, so those are my seven that I seen the other day. Uh, JJ has three more, I think, to add to this. DJ, I got uh, a newly mentioned candidate that's floating around as defensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions, Aaron Glenn. And if you remember Aaron Glenn, he played safety for San Diego. <clears throat> um. I was trying to think uh, here. You got D'Amico Ryans. Did you mention Doug Peterson? Uh, no, I didn't. I think we touched on that last episode, but he is still uh, one of the candidates. So we, I mean, we can we can name him too. And then the other one was today. You already touched on D'Amico, like I said, and Raheem Morris, the defensive coordinator for the Rams, is. We've requested an interview with him, but we have 10 coaching candidates and all, and we've interviewed Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers on the 16th, and we should have interviewed Jonathan Gannon, the D.C. for Eagles today, and Dan Quinn's going to be interviewed tomorrow. Okay. So we're going to have three guys off the list. Um as far as the GM, I have a few notes here I want to mention. We hi- we interviewed first the Titans director of player personnel, Monty Ossenfort. And secondly, we interviewed Tampa Bay vice president of player personnel, John Spitek. Thirdly, and my favorite pick, is the Browns vice president of football operations, Kwesi Adolfo Mensah. And the fourth one is the female that we mentioned last time, Eagles Vice President Catherine Reishi. And it sounds like we're going to have 8 to 12 candidates for the GM and over 8 to 12 candidates for the coaching position. Now, we've listed 10, so I don't see why they need would need to add more to the list. Yeah, I don't know. Unless someone really catches their eye, I don't know. Um, I, I do have to... 
touch on the Raheem Morris. Uh, yeah. He's the de- defense coordinator for the Rams, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, as of this morning, they they were talking about it on Good Morning Football that he had zero interviews as of this morning. So we must have put in a request uh, later this afternoon for him. And, I mean, he's got to be my my close third pick, to be honest. Um, it's, it's kind of a toss-up in that third spot for me between D'Amico Ryans and Raheem Morris at this point. Um, so just to reiterate, uh, my first is Callum Moore, then Nathaniel Hackett, and then it's a toss-up between D'Amico Ryans and Raheem Morris. So, um, well, you I know what three, three names were missing, DJ? That I want to see were missing Jim Harbaugh. Oh, yeah. And right now he's mentioned as the candidate front runner for the Las Vegas Raiders, and that's the only team that's showing interest in Harbaugh right now. Really? Yeah, so wouldn't that be something if he goes to silver and black? Um, I don't know. I, I as much as uh, I mean, he's he's the inter, he was the interim head coach, but I, I really think they need to keep Rich Bisaccia. He's I don't know. He he just did an outstanding job with that team. At least give him a one year kind of a trial deal in there in Vegas. Um, but another thing I I've thought of this off and on. Yeah. It, 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 I don't know if do you, if this if it's weird to you or not. Okay. Do you do you find it odd that there has been no talks about Mike Zimmer getting an interview for anything? You read my mind, DJ. I thought for sure. Now listen. There is a rumor floating around that Zimmer might slide into D.C. if Dan Quinn leaves and at Dallas. Oh. And that he would go back to his normal defensive coordinator responsibilities. But you and I kind of preached about maybe Mike Zimmer getting a shot in Jacksonville. But well, I remember, remember a while back I had a vision. I had a vision that he was going to be in black and silver, remember? Ooh, they only have three candidates right now for that open position. Basachia is going to interview, re-interview for the head coaching job. Jim Harbaugh and Gerard Mayo, wouldn't that be something if our boy Mike Zimmer slides onto that interview list? Oh, my. Dude, once I see that, if if that happens, once I see that, I'm going to... I'm going to send you that picture, and I'm going to be like, dude, my vision is coming true. I need to start putting money on this stuff. We'll call you DJ Domus. Like <laughs> yeah. Nostradamus, but DJ Domus. <laughs> that would be awesome. You could just oh. you could be like the Swami of the old days of uh, Chris Berman. <laughs> but there are two names I wanted to mention just real quick. I really want to get the – Offensive coordinator from the Bills, Brian Dable, an interview. And why don't we interview Brian Flores? Well, there was, I thought there was talk about that, but I guess I don't know what happened to that. But I know you're real high on Kellen Moore, but I don't see him escaping the clutches of the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. When I first heard about that, you know, that Jerry Jones is going to fire McCarthy and promote telling more remember I, I said it it's probably just jerry not wanting to give telling more up he wants him to stay within the team so what 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 better way to do it than just give him the the head coach position there in dallas the, the team that he's already on so i don't know i i, I guess we'll have to just wait and see what Jerry Jones does. He's very unpredictable, as we've seen in many years in the past. So anything's possible at this point. It's kind of in Jerry's hands right now. But, I mean, Kellen is taking interviews still, so I don't know. I mean, honestly, DJ, on a scale of 1 to 10, 
where do you put a de- a defensive coordinator higher versus an offensive coordinator higher? Which one's higher on your one to ten scale? Uh, like ten being the most. Yeah. Uh, I mean that's my number one pick right now is the offensive coordinator, so it'd be pretty high. Yeah. Um, just because. Obviously, defensive-minded coaches haven't really worked out for us in the past, so um, we need to get someone that's offensive-minded and bring a spark to this offense for once. Yeah, I, I really agree with your comment on Todd Bowles. Even though I'll give him a discount that he didn't have the most talent with the New York Jets. That's true. But, but I just don't really want another defensive coordinator, to be honest. No, if and he's another him. one. He's another one. He he kind of reminds me of Leslie Frazier. He doesn't have – whenever they show him, His you look at him. Yeah, he doesn't have any emotions at all. I do not want that in my head coach. You like the fire on the seat, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> – I mean, not the hot seat part, but I mean the the fire in you know inside. I want, I want when they screw up, I want them to know. I want the head coach to get in their face. I mean that if it's so laid back all the time, the players are gonna be laid back as well. You want to pump that freaking team up and get them going. I mean, light a spark under their ass. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I guess my numbers. Top three candidates, not in any order, but the three I'm think, looking at the most. The offensive coordinator for the Packers, Nathaniel Hackett. Offensive coordinator for the Cowboys, Kellen Moore. And offensive coordinator for the Rams, Kevin O'Connell. Those are my top three. Okay. And my number one defensive guy, I'd have to go with D'Amico Ryans. He played linebacker at an all-pro level for the Houston Texans, DJ. And he really knows defense. I'm not yeah. saying the other candidates don't, but you know, Mike Zimmer played defense in college, but he never played pro football. This guy D'Amico knows the speed of the game and he's young. So that would be my only option at him and or Morris, Raheem Morris. I do like him too. The defensive coordinator for the Rams. So th- those would be my the newly Added to the list, coaches for defense would be D'Amico Ryan's 49ers and Raheem Morris, L.A. Rams. And just reiterating, Kellen Moore, Nathaniel Hackett, and Kevin O'Connell. Wouldn't that be cool if we hired both coordinators from the Rams? Yeah. One as coach, one as D.C. or O.C.? Right, yeah. All right, well, now we're just going to get into our recap of the Super Wild Card Weekend. And the first game on the slate was the Cincinnati Bengals and the Las Vegas Raiders. The Bengals, they won their first playoff game in 31 years as they beat the Raiders 26-19. to The Las Vegas... O-line made way too many mistakes in this game. And I honestly think that uh, should have been a big factor to why they lost this game. And I don't really know how to feel about that one touchdown throw from Joe Burrow on the sideline. There, I mean, there's there's people saying it should have been called back. Uh, I don't know if you know the rules for that, JJ, but if it, if you're still in the air, but you have past the out-of-bounds boundary, isn't that... Aren't you still considered out-of-bounds? I don't know. Okay, DJ, the rule on that possession for a touchdown, a number one rule as a football player, the coaches tell you, always play to hear a whistle. Now, when Burrow was heading out-of-bounds, his foot, left foot was in-bounds, his right foot was above the boundary. But if you listen to the to the recording, there is an inadvertent whistle that should have blown the play dead right then and there. 
But since he didn't go out of bounds, he threw the ball dropping out of bounds for a touchdown. Now, when the referee got on TV, he said, this is an, an example of an inadvertent whistle. But due to the inadvertent whistle, the play should have been blown dead right then and there, disallowing the touchdown. Did you know because of the number of mistakes and penalties that flags that were thrown, this referee group has been ousted from the playoffs? Yeah, I saw that too, that they're not going to be returning to the playoffs. That was just ridiculous, DJ. I feel bad for the Raiders. How many offensive line penalties did they have? Oh, man. I don't even know. Uh, I think, if I remember correctly, I think it was like 14. And I, I think it was a record for most penalties in a playoff game. That number is correct. It was 14. So, yeah, 14. <laughs> I know the right side of the line that Leatherwood from Alabama, he had struggled all year with false starts and holding calls. And it was just with Cincinnati's front seven, they put so much pressure on Derek Carr in the run game that they had to hold or they were going to just crunch the Raiders' offensive players. So the, they need to work on some of their O-line. They got they had played an overall decent game, but when you get penalized, it's hard to overcome that. Uh, I, I don't know. It was just kind of uh, – there's two kind of sad uh, parts this weekend for me personally. Um, the, set, the second one we'll get, get to a little later. The first one being these Raiders, uh, what they've been through all year, like we've said numerous times in previous episodes, um, just to, to go out like this, it, I mean, it's great that they, they made it to the playoffs after all the adversity, but um, just to, to go one and done, it, it's it's just kind of sad. Uh, they, like I said before, they all this adversity has brought the heart out in the Raiders, uh, definitely. And they, they played with their heart on their sleeves this, this season, uh, at least half the season. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just kind of sad to see the Raiders, uh, season end like this, but, uh, yeah, uh, the, the Bengals, uh, there's a silver lining in that, uh, I had the Raiders winning this game, but the, the Bengals, uh, they do get their first playoff win in 31 years. So that's uh, pretty crazy and uh, good for the Bengals there and Joe Burrow. And congrats to them for finally getting the monkey off their back after 31 years. Yeah, you know the difference of the game that statistically that I'm going to mention here is Derek Carr had an interception and one fumble lost. And Joe Burrow, Mixon, the rest of the guys. There was no turnovers on Cincinnati's. So the giveaway-takeaway battle was 2-0 in favor of Cincy. Derek Carr had 29 uh, completions out of 54 attempts, 310 yards passing, a touchdown, a pick, and a fumble lost. Jacobs, Josh Jacobs, number 28, did manage 13 carries for 83 yards. 83, Darren Waller had seven catches for 76, and number seven, Zay Jones, had five catches for 61 yards and the touchdown. Uh, on defense, the main standouts, Max Crosby had one sack, and Quentin Jefferson, the D-line, had one sack. On the flip side, Joe Burrow was 24-34, 244 yards passing, two touchdowns, zero picks. They held Joe Mixon to 17 carries for 48 yards. That's under three yards a carry. Jamar Chase had the big day, though, nine catches for 116 and three carries for 23 yards rushing for 142 all-purpose yards. On the defense, uh, Cincinnati's defense had nine pass deflections, three sacks, and Jermaine Pratt, number 57, sealed the win with the one interception on the goal line. I thought it was a, a really competitive game. I would like to have seen if it would have been officiated a little bit differently. I mean, you take a touchdown off the board, DJ, uh, the game's basically a one-score one game. Yeah. And 
Uh, just to correct myself earlier, I said there was only one game that was um, entertaining and competitive. Uh, I, I'm correcting myself now. It was actually two because I forgot. I don't know why, but I forgot about the Raiders and Bengals and then the 49ers and Cowboys. Those were the only two competitive games this year or this this weekend. So um, I'll just correct myself now while I remember. <laughs> and then uh, going to the other Saturday game, uh, this game I wasn't happy with, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> yeah, um, I can confer on that. We had a few text messages back and forth <laughs> in this game. And uh, obviously I, I picked the Patriots in my bracket. Uh, that didn't go very well. Uh, the Bills and the Patriots, the Bills just absolutely stomping the Patriots 47 to 17. Uh, Josh Allen was the first QB in Buffalo history with five passing touchdowns with zero interceptions in a playoff game. Wow. Um, and I have a note on here. I, I think, I don't know, maybe the cold weather in this game was a factor, but despite the awesome rookie year Mac Jones had, I just think he needs more experience in order to complete compete in these playoffs, um, especially when you, you go up against, I mean, Josh Allen's still new to the lead, but uh, you go up against guys like Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, uh, man, you, you just got to get some uh, experience under your belt. Uh, that, that's what I think um, Mac Jones needs is just more experience and um, kind of learn to deal with the pressure and just learn the game a little more, I guess. That's all I really have on that. Um, a funny thing about this game um Washington quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick. He was spotted in the crowd <laughs> shirtless. Whoa. Cheering for Buffalo. Man, leave, leave it to Fitzmagic. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I did not catch that. Did you see it live or something? No, I didn't see it live. There was I saw a post about it and oh. then the next day, there was a little video clip, and he, yeah, there was Ryan Fitzpatrick in the stands, no shirt on, and just his arms in the air, just screaming at the top of his lungs. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, man. Uh, I guess he's a, a Buffalo fan, even though he's, you know, technically still playing for Washington, but he, he did play for Buffalo. I mean, he... He played for a, he's played for a lot of teams, but apparently he was a Buffalo Bills fan that night. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, well, the I took the Bills in this one, and and in the previous game I did have the Bengals, so I started off pretty good on Saturday. Uh, Forty-seven fourteen. Now that led from Josh Allen. He was so efficient, twenty-one of twenty-five for three hundred eight, five touchdowns. He had six carries, an additional 66 yards rushing. So he would be my MVP of the game. But Singletary, Devin Singletary, number 26, had 16 carries, 81 yards. But the two touchdowns were big for Devin. And tight end number 88, Dawson Knox, he had five big catches for 89 yards and the two touchdowns. Uh, the Bills' defense ended up intercepting Mac Jones two times and sacking him three times. And just like I mentioned in the previous game on turnovers, uh, as you notice in the blowout games, you're going to see with these stats I mentioned that uh, the takeaway giveaway battle is where it's won. Uh, the Patriot defense had zero sacks, zero picks, zero pass defense. Uh, Matt Jones, like you said, needs a little more experience. He ended up 24 for 38, 232 yards, two touchdowns. Both to Kendrick Bourne, who was 7 for 77. And then, of course, Mac Jones had two interceptions. 
Uh, Buffalo had 482 yards offense to New England's three hole five yards, and Buffalo had on the day at, Buffalo on the day at 174 yards rushing. Yeah, just a dominant uh, performance by the Bills. I, I I definitely thought Bill Belichick was going to have his team uh, in a more competitive state than that, but um, I guess that's what. Uh, that's what happens when Tom Brady leaves your team, I guess. So, <clears throat> yeah, DJ. When we, before we get into the next uh, game, which is a seven and two matchup, how do you feel about this expanded playoffs and having a seventh team get in? And did you? I mean, it was evident this weekend how poor the games were. Uh, between the seven and two seeds, uh, how do you, how do you feel about this situation? Do you feel like it's a good idea to continue this way, or would you like to see a change? No, I I don't like uh, the 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 adding of the seventh seed. Um, I do like though the one thing I do like about the format being this way is there's only one. Uh, first round by team in each conference instead of there being four there's only two so um if there's a way to take that seventh seed off and only having one um well two only two first round by teams i think that would be perfect but the added the adding of the the seventh seed into the playoffs that was a mistake i and this this next game is a perfect example of it. It it just it they didn't belong in the playoffs. Um, I mean they 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 made it to the playoffs, but only in this format. So and this matchup is just not it's not playoff worthy, I guess if you want to call it that. Um, so. It it was the Eagles in the seventh seed and the Buccaneers in the second seed, and Tom Brady and the Bucks just had a heyday. Uh, they beat them thirty-one to fifteen, and I believe at halftime it was like what was it twenty-eight to zero at halftime or something like that. Yeah, it was bad. Twenty-eight to zero. Yeah, and remember um, last episode I I did say that. The Eagles might have a chance in this game. I mean, I, I was I was really wrong. Um, but another thing I did say, remember, I said the first drive for the Eagles was going to be huge, and they had to punt after giving up seven points on the Bucks' first drive. So, and they also punted a lot more beyond that first drive. So, um. I believe I texted you after that first drive, and I'm like, there's a right. punt. Yep. The, the game's over. Yep. Even though it was still competitive at that point, it was 7-0. That, that first drive said it all. They punted. It, okay, they're going to get dominated now. And just the way uh, Jalen Hurts just couldn't get, he couldn't get any help back there. Um, and it's just like I said about Mac Jones. It's the same for Jalen Hurts. He just doesn't have the experience to compete in the playoffs, and he didn't have the the protection either. So, um, it, I don't put it all on Jalen Hurts, but he, I mean, this is his first year as a full time starter, so he he definitely needs some more experience to compete in these playoffs against these very competitive teams. So, um, yeah, they just. The Bucks and Tom Brady just did what they usually do and just destroy bad teams. Did you want to mention Mike Evans? Oh yeah, the the note on that is uh, he Mike Evans was the first player in Tampa Bay history with a hundred plus receiving yards and one plus receiving touchdown in a playoff game. That's we kind of talked about this before the recording and. It, it it's kind of weird that that stat is true. It wasn't true until now, but like I told JJ, it, 
Tampa Bay hasn't really been in the playoffs for a while up until these last couple of years. So and maybe that's why. I don't know. And went back when they were in the playoffs, maybe they just didn't have that good of receivers or it was just a low-scoring game. Who knows? I don't know. Well, DJ, we both had the Buccaneers, which was a pretty much – I, if you look at the final score, 31-15, they scored 28 in the first half. So they had a, quite a few rushing yards. Tom Brady finished the game with 29 of 37, so very efficient passing. I really took note of how many short passes he threw, and I kind of predicted it to the tight ends. Uh, Gronk ended up with 5 for 31 only, but he did get that touchdown. We talked about Mike Evans. He was 9 for 117 in the touchdown. So Brady had two passing touchdowns and 271 yards, which is, I think that's just an average day for him. But their running backs, uh, third and fourth string running backs, Keyshawn Vaughn and Giovanni Bernard, the old Bengal. Vaughn was 17 for 53 in a touchdown, and Bernard was 13 for 44 in a touchdown. Now the difference in the game was the defense, both defenses. Uh the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense had seven pass deflections out of 43 attempts, plus two interceptions. So that tells me Jalen Hurts was 23 for 43 for 258, a touchdown and two picks. So almost 10% of his passing were poor passes. You just can't have that in the league if you're going to be playing against Tom Brady. You, you can't turn the ball over. Uh, the Eagle defense did manage to sack Brady four times. But do you remember when we talked about Jalen Rager last week on our show? Yeah. He had two fumbles, DJ. Uh, and the big one was on the punt. Oh, yeah. He muffed, what, yeah. He he, I didn't know what he was doing if he was backing up and he just like alligator armed it and dropped it. And if you know what alligator arms are, you're kind of like chopping at the ball. <laughs> but just leave it up to Rager to, you know, his first time in the playoffs. I don't know. He just, I'm not impressed. The only bright spot was Dallas Goldert, the tight end out of South Dakota State Jackrabbits. He was six catches for 92. Other than that, that was a a a first-half beatdown that pretty much ended the game. Yeah, definitely. Um, now we're going to move on to the Sunday games. The first one was... Uh, I'm sorry, that was... The Eagles and Buccaneers was the first Sunday game. I, <laughs> the, the second game on Sunday was the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. Um, the 49ers... Uh, there were the sixth seed and the Cowboys were the third seed. And the sixth seed came out on top here uh, as the 49ers beat the Cowboys 23-17. to And it's uh, the first postseason road win for the 49ers versus Dallas in team history. Previously, we're 0-2. Um, the, the penalties, just like the Raiders game, Penalties hurt the Cowboys, uh, especially on the O-line again. And uh, I saw plenty of obvious flights that were not called on the 49ers. Uh, holding, um, pass interference. Uh, I don't know. I was just watching the replays of the, the, the plays, and I just, uh, it's kind of mind-boggling to me that, they weren't called, but the, I mean, the refs were kind of just horrible in this first round of playoffs uh, all around, not just in this game. Um, so uh, it was, it was a close game. And uh, before I talk about the end of the game, I just have to uh, mention this twitch in the third quarter on the, on a Dallas punt, the ball went so high in the air it hit the bottom of the huge jumbotron, which is 90 feet up in the air. Dude, talk about some leg power in that punter. Holy cow. 
Yeah, well, you don't see that very often, but there is a rule, uh, a ground rule in that big, big AT&T stadium. If the punter kicker hits that jumbotron, it's a redo automatic. Yep, that's what they did. Yep. So, wow. I, <laughs> we witnessed history pretty much on in that game just for that alone. Yeah, I've never seen that happen. No, I haven't either. It's just like the if you remember the Kingdom in Seattle for baseball and the Metrodome, and I think there's one more I'm missing. The the ball in oh, it was Tampa Bay Stadium for baseball. If they hit the ball up off the stadium, then it's they play it as it lands. But most of the times when balls get hit that high, they should leave the park. Right. Yeah. But back to the stats. Uh, I did have the 49ers in an upset. Like I said on the podcast, I was just feeling that the 49ers were just catching fire at the right time. I did feel like Jimmy G had to do too much in this game. He only had 25 passes, 172 yards, no touchdowns, and a pick. But the one-two punch of Elijah Mitchell, number 26, and Debo Samuel, number 19, They've turned Debo into a more of a running back than a receiver because he only had three catches for 38 yards. He did yeah. manage 72 yards rushing in a touchdown, and Mitchell just barely missed 100. He had 96 yards rushing on 27 carries for one touchdown. But the difference in this game, I would have. Ne- Dan Quinn got out coached by D'Amico Ryans. D'Amico Ryan's defense produced five sacks of Dak and the pick. And Dan Quinn's defense produced zero sacks, which is just something don't add up there, DJ. Right. That whole defense with Micah Parsons, was it the early departure of Micah Parsons that was the difference in the game? It, uh, I don't know. I mean, it could have been a factor, but... I mean, obviously it was a factor, but... I I don't know if it was the only factor. Right. I um, mean, there's really no highlight stats for da- Dallas's offense. Dak was 23 of 43. That's the same as Jalen Hurts. But in reality, we've talked about Mac and Jalen and now Dak. They just don't have the playoff numbers yet. Yeah, and then going going to the end of this game. Yeah. Uh, oh my god, I <laughs> I was so upset, and I just didn't understand what was going on. Um, it, it didn't make any sense at all to me. So the last play of the game, Dak yeah. runs up. Dak what runs up. The, <laughs> Dak <laughs> runs up the middle of the field with no timeouts left. Uh, it was 14. There's 14 seconds left, and they snapped the ball. Dak runs up the middle of the field with no timeouts left. And by the time they did, got the ball back to the line, it was too late to spike the ball. It was at triple zeros. I don't know what the, the plan was there, but you can't play for the first down in that situation. You, you got to play the score right there on that play. Or quickly get out of bounds i i don't know what what they were thinking calling a quarterback draw what well uncle uncle tony was basically saying why not take this they're in range take two shots right you had enough time to quickly throw the ball down the field You, you you had 14 seconds it's at least two more plays Maybe if not, three. Maybe a third, yeah. Yeah. I totally get you, DJ. It just, something didn't smell right in that game, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I don't know. And apparently, head coach Mike McCarthy, he said after the game that he stands behind that call, and he said it was, it wasn't, uh, it, it was the play that made the most sense. What? How? I... I just don't understand it. I don't know if that was Mike McCarthy's call. I don't know if it was Telling Moore's call. I, if it was Telling Moore's call, I, that doesn't really sit good with me with him being my first 
head coach option for the Vikings, <laughs> but it it just oh my god, that was just no, DJ, I can hear your frustration. I know uh, you kind of mentioned you liked the Cowboys a little bit this year, and you didn't care for the 49ers and. The reason why, another reason why I thought the 49ers had a good shot is the way the Vikings played both teams. And I know I always go back to Minnesota, but the Vikings got their butts kicked by San, San Francisco, and the Vikings just didn't show up against the Cowboys. I yeah, mean, we, they, we were they, f- facing they, that backup quarterback, and we didn't get the win. Yeah, they got beat by Cooper Rush. I mean, oh. <laughs> So I know I mentioned a few times this weekend to you on text, I'd love to see the Vikings play so-and-so or love to see the Vikings play the Cowboys again or love to see the Vikings play Tampa Bay. <laughs> but you, you, you made some valid points through communication that, let's just face it, the Vikings didn't have a very good year. No, <laughs> definitely not. Um, hopefully that ter- that turns around next year with our new GM and new head coach, and hopefully new offensive coordinator. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Clint Kubiak. But uh, you're going to have to move it here a little faster. And so uh, the next game is uh, my Kansas City Chiefs and the Pittsburgh Steelers. we all knew that Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs were going to win this game, um, despite the Steelers and Big Ben's last year. Um, the the Chiefs won forty two to twenty one. They ran out of fireworks at the the stadium because the Chiefs kept scoring so much. I, I mean, that's an honest statement that they really did. They put up a a, uh, a thing on the jumbotron saying, "Wow." Because the Chiefs have scored so much, they they actually ran out of fireworks. <laughs> um, yeah, Travis Kelsey, he's the first player in NFL history with a passing touchdown. Yes, I said passing touchdown, receiving touchdown, and a hundred plus receiving yards in a playoff game. That, oh my God! And I did see that his Travis's mom was there for that game. After flying all the way from Tampa Bay to see his brother play for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, I thought oh, that was wow. kind of cool. Yeah, in the huh. same day. That's cool. Um, it, going back to the game here, the, the I mean, the, it was a pretty evenly first quarter, as no one scored to open the game. But after that first quarter. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was just on fire. He spread the ball out to, I believe, eight or nine receivers, I think. Um, and like we said, Travis Chelsea even got a passing touchdown. And on one of Patrick's touchdown passes, it went to an old lineman, if I remember correctly. Uh, it, it just yeah. all-around dominant performance by my Chiefs. Uh, and But th- this goes back to um, when I said I had two sad uh, moments in this weekend. This was uh, the second one. It, I, I like to see my Chiefs win, but it was just uh, kind of sad to see Big Ben go out like this. Um, we, I mean, we all kind of seen it coming. We didn't think that Big Ben was gonna win this game, but it, it, it it's really sad to see Big Ben go out like this with a loss in the playoffs, but. Uh, I just want to say uh, thank you to Ben Roethlisberger uh, for being a uh, icon. Even though you weren't from playing for my team, you were an icon to me uh, as a franchise quarterback in the NFL. So um, even though you didn't play for my team, I still kind of uh, looked up to you, and you're definitely one of my great quarterbacks uh, on my list. Yeah, Ben Ben Roethlisberger will be added to the list of quarterbacks I watch from rookie to the end, and I did get to watch his last two games. And I just, you know, it makes a guy feel a little older now, and you're starting to see quarterbacks retire. 
But that's, as they say, life goes on. On a bright note, uh, Big Ben ended his playoff career or playoff game with 29 of 44 passing. I noticed a lot of short routes. I don't. I just don't know if he, if his arm is shot and doesn't want to take a lot of risks throwing it up. But he ended with two fifteen and two touchdowns, as Mahomes did as well. They both hit nine different receivers on the day, and that is definitely spreading the ball around. But the main difference I want to mention was the rushing attack. There. Pittsburgh's Najee Harris ended up ended up with 12 carries for 29 yards. That's a 2.4 yards per carry average. Don't sleep on this KC defense. They they had two sacks and a fumble recovery. The big day, uh, my mind, besides Pat Mahomes' 404 passing yards, five touchdowns. And three for 29 rushing. Jarek McKinnon, our old Viking slash 49er, he showed a little bit of glimpse of getting to play again. And they took out Darrell Williams after that fumble and really didn't replace him much the rest of the day. And Jarek was 12 for 61 rushing, 6 for 81 receiving. For, with one touchdown for a combined total of 142 yards of offense. And you already mentioned the Travis Kelsey. We witnessed history with Kelsey. So, I mean, that's all I really got to say about that game, DJ. I had the Chiefs. You had the Chiefs. Yep. Um, so, going to our final game of uh, the wild card round. Uh, it was on Monday night. It was the Arizona Cardinals and the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, the Rams just uh, stayed on the jazz pedal the whole the whole game, and uh, the Cardinals didn't do much of anything. As the Rams won thirty four to eleven. Uh, Kyler Murray is just another one of those guys that uh, they couldn't get any protection. He couldn't get any protection from his O line. He he couldn't get any time to even think about throwing the ball. As soon as he uh, snapped the ball, there's pe- there's guys in his face already. It's like, come on, where's his O-line? Um, just, I don't know. But on the Rams side of the ball, Matt Stafford, uh, he got his first career playoff win. So congrats to Matt Stafford for that. Um I don't really have much notes on this game. I actually forgot to write notes. Um, but Cam Akers felt uh, it looked very fresh, fresh legs. And uh, I do want to say that it was a pretty scary moment. Uh, I believe it was in the third quarter when Buda Baker was injured by a hit from Cam Akers and um, taken off. In a, on a stretcher, but uh, it was a good sign seeing him hold his his hand up and moving his fingers on his way out uh, through the tunnel and getting to the hospital. And I did hear today that he is uh, doing good. He never lost feeling of any of his extremities, and he had tweeted saying that he's uh, he's he's feeling fine, and so that that's good to hear. And uh, hopefully he, he stays that way. So um, I don't know if you have anything else to, to go on with this game. Uh, Just a little really bit. All I, got. Um, I gotta say is Rams defense. I underestimated the Rams defense. I did pick the Cardinals to win this game. So it kind of throws a monkey wrench in my bracket. I ended up going five and one, but Matt Stafford, uh, very efficient. He only had to throw the ball 17 times as a team rushed 38 rushes for 140 yards, one touchdown. And he, the rushing touchdown was from Matt Stafford. So he ended up producing three touchdowns on the day. Odell Beckham, did you see the play, uh, DJ, when he threw the ball 40 yards down the field? Yes, that, I, that was crazy. Uh, that was a very good play. Uh, Sean McVeigh definitely... Uh, has some tricks in his bag. Yeah, and the, 
just want to reiterate how good this Rams defense. Six pass deflections, two interceptions of Kyler, and two sacks. All the Arizona defense really didn't have that many opportunities to sack Stafford. He only had 17 attempts, and they managed one sack and no turnovers for the Rams. If the Rams continue this style of football, they can probably beat anybody right now on the NFC. And I think, DJ, you got them going quite a few, quite a far distance, so that might uh, – you got them losing to the Bucks, I guess. Yeah. But you got uh, the Rams over the Packers, so <laughs> this will be interesting. <laughs> yeah, I guess it – yeah, it will be different. Uh, definitely interesting seeing that Rams defense go up against uh, Tom Brady, so – um, that's it for the, the wild card round. We're just going to briefly, um, update the, the playoff picture and see who's in the divisional round. And, uh, we're just going to go through them, uh, as we will actually go through and preview these games in our next episode. So, uh, on Saturday, there's two games and Sunday, there's two games. So the first one on Saturday will be. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the number one seed Tennessee Titans. And then at uh, the, uh, the Saturday night game is the San Francisco 49ers. They travel to Lambeau to take down the Packers as they are the number one seed. And then uh, on Sunday, it is uh, the Los Angeles Rams taking on Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then we close out the divisional round uh, on Sunday evening with the Buffalo Bills uh, going to Arrowhead to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. So, uh, like I said, uh, there's just an update. We will preview those games in our next episode and go in more depth about those games. So, say, DJ, what game out of those four besides the Chiefs-Buffalo, which I think is the best game, which one do you want to watch the most out of them three? Uh, I think they're all going to be interesting, obviously, especially compared to the wild card round where it wasn't very entertaining at all. But um, it's hard to pick. I want to say that the Titans and Bengals just because I want to see what Derrick Henry is going to do. Yeah. And how the Bengals are going to respond after their first playoff win in 31 years. But um, I want to see how the Rams defense does against the Buccaneers and vice versa. I want to see how the Rams offense does against the Buccaneers defense. So um, I guess I'd have to, uh, yeah, they're, they're all going to be good. I can't. I can't pick just one. <laughs> well, I know deep in your heart, you you don't you dislike Buffalo, and you're really gonna look forward to Sunday night's game. Uh, is that what time are these games at? Do you have a quick reference on that? Uh, so the Bengals and Titans are at three thirty on Saturday. Okay. And then 49ers and Packers are at seven fifteen on Saturday. Okay. And Rams and Bucks are at two o'clock. Okay. On Sunday. And Bills and Chiefs are at 5.30 on Sunday. Besides Bills and Chiefs, I guess I'm really excited to watch the Rams and the Bucks. All right, yeah, we'll preview those in our next episode. And uh, this is actually where we'll wrap the episode up here. So uh, please go check out our previous episodes. They are on Apple Podcasts app, Spotify, Anchor, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Breaker, and Radio Public. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at High Hope Sportscast and Twitter at H Sportscast. So go follow us on there. We post updates, news, scores, and uh, other things. And be on the lookout for our bonus episode coming soon. Um, it is our uh, High Hope Sportscast awards show. Uh, so we aren't exactly sure on when that will be out yet, but keep an eye out on our social media pages as we will post uh, when that will be out. And if you would like to donate to the show, hit that support button for us. 
Uh, and our next episode will be out on Saturday morning. Uh, we will preview the divisional round games and talk more news around the league as always. So I am DJ. And this is JJ. And thank you for listening to High Hope Sports Test, and we will see you in the next episode. Peace. Peace.